In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello, welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda under www.cinda.org. Now, this show has also listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the show, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. specific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry about it because we are on every major podcast platform from Apple to Google to Stitcher to Spotify. So you can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, stories that can motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even propel your career. So I invite you to connect with me. Please send me your thoughts to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com and let me know what you want to hear about on the show. If you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, Regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we'll make sure that you take away something useful either for your business or yourself. Now on to today's episode. Digital marketing has become very complicated. Consumers have changed their behavior. Google is constantly polishing their core web vitals and new channels and ways to target audiences are popping up every day. At the same time, we have other trends like stricter stricter trends on personal data and targeting. Technologies are emerging that do this better for us. At the same time, there are pushbacks on how they do it. So most of this goes over the SMB's head, and even sometimes it goes over the heads of brands who have dedicated digital marketing teams. But it's not hopeless for brands or for SMEs because we do have great digital marketing agencies who really do understand this. And what's more interesting is they not only understand this, but they have built a culture that really want to help the rest of us understand. And this episode, we speak with a digital marketing agency that not only understands the trends, but has built a company culture that is unique and supports its clients and helps them swim on top of the digital marketing ocean rather than sink to the bottom. And our guest today is Mark Reifenrat co-founder and CEO of Spinutech. Spinutech has grown from a university dorm startup over 20 years ago to a multinational digital agency with 150 team members across the U.S. Spinutech has been named Google's premier partner and certified as a Google marketing platform partner, achievements only an elite group of marketing agencies achieve. Mark, in his capacity, understands firsthand how critical a company's culture is to achieve and maintain success. The success to Spinutech's growth is in the team's commitment to get better every day, and this commitment drives success and delivers the best for their clients. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Okay. So first, just tell us a little bit about Spinutech. I mean, you started in a dorm room. Yeah, I was a junior in college and we didn't know a whole lot. Uh, the dot-com bubble had just burst and we thought we should start a business, get a little bit of a, a resume builder and it turned into something a little bit more. So here we are 22 years later. Wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, 22 years later, and I'm sure a lot has changed, of course, in 22 years in digital marketing. Um, so let, let's kind of talk about, you know, what what you're seeing. And in the beginning of 2022, your company put out a report 
predicting, you know, some of the, the, the 22 trends in digital marketing in 22. So now we kind of have June 22. Um, let's take a little time to touch on some of the trends that you talked about for this year and begin with maybe some of the paid media trends. Uh, what are you seeing happening this year? Well, everything's just getting more complicated. Um, some things that have maybe happened since we put out that report is, you know, there's been some economic changes that we're all very aware of. And search volume for certain categories has gone down, which means less people are searching for, you know, this, that, that category or that product type. However, the marketing community, the, the brands are spending more money than they were last year. So it's a supply and demand effect for paid media. So the cost for our clients has gone way up, but they're getting a lot less. So it's it's way more competitive. You're fighting for, you know, just less, a smaller pie. And that really complicates things. It frustrates the heck out of our clients, rightfully so. Um, so it's just a, a more challenging game. It, it As an agency, we've had to become you know, how do we create efficiencies within that, make sure we're winning every single battle, trying to increase our conversion rate optimization, things like that to create those efficiencies of spend with it getting so much tighter. Mm -hmm. And when you, when you say that search volume has gone down, is it, you know, we're in 2022, we kind of, I can't say we're out of this pandemic, but you know, between 20 and 2022, everybody was searching. Okay. And now foot traffic is back. Okay. Um, is that impacting, you know, the, the, the categories and the search volume? It, it absolutely is. And there was a lot of purchases that consumers made in 20 and 21 because they were sitting in their homes looking at mm -hmm. their kitchens, their bathrooms, their windows, their siding, you know, they spent a lot of time, analyzing those things they didn't take the trip to europe they didn't take the trip to disneyland or wherever so they had five thousand twenty thousand dollars or more to spend and they would put it into their homes or into other let's say luxury products for themselves and so those things have now disappeared um because they they bought ahead you know we were buying ahead on some of those cycles and that changed some of the patterns for uh, they're spending for this year and potentially even next year and beyond a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and brands, you said brands are, are spending more. I mean, is that because brands probably didn't have the exposure during the two years of the 2020? I mean, when I think of brands, I also think of foot traffic in person, not not just online. Um, you know, what has initiated this this huge big brand trend? Well, I think a lot of companies got addicted to the success that they had from 20 and 21. Once once we kind of did that that check of like, okay, we're okay, we're going to make it through this. There's a lot of pain going on, but economically and business-wise, things are really going to hum along during this pandemic for most categories. Mm -hmm. They got addicted to that success because they had two of a lot of companies had two of their best years ever. And in their minds, that's just going to keep going on and so they planned for that growth in 21 What's for what's happening now, but they planned for good times, not kind of this, you know, pullback and, and, and recession and everything and, and inflation. So that's changed the game and had to, you know, recalibrate some plans that, uh, you know, as opposed to wild success again for a third year in a row. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that would be that, that would be interesting. But, you know, while all this is going on, you know, these and the search is changing and the categories are changing and brands are out there. And at the same time, um, Google is constantly fine tuning their core web vitals. OK, and agencies like yourself are constantly trying to keep up with this um, and try to explain this to their clients. And and what what have you seen in, in this area with the, the Google Core Web Vitals and the changes that are happening in search? Yeah, so here's one thing Google's really, really good at is constantly changing things, constantly <laughs> changing the game. Um, and you know, that's that's good for us, bad for our clients, because it, it does create a lot of frustrations. But ultimately, I mean, the, the simple rule I try to live by is, in theory, they're just trying to produce the best results possible for you, the searcher. So when you search for that question that you have that you want the answer to or the product for, they want to present you the best options first. 
So if you think about that and you're always creating your content and structuring your site in compliance with them, you're not going to get into too much heat. They, they occasionally have some bigger ones that do impact people that are doing things the right way. You know, the, the data this year was a big shift in getting your, your analytics platform updated because that kind of just got cut off um, if you don't get that updated to, to GA4. So, you know, that's maybe a little bit more of a major shift. But looking back over the course of 22 years, this is just, it's, it's another thing they've done. It's another uh, kind of cycle of, of how things happen and iterate with them. And, and you can either complain about it or you get on board and you figure out what you got to do to make sure you're going to stay relevant in, in uh, the search engines and, and, and perform. Yeah. And, and, you know, staying relevant in the search engines, that brings me to another question, Mark. Um, you know, I know my own habits on as a consumer, uh, how iSearch has changed. Uh, and you talk about the categories changes and, and the brands out there. Um, what about the consumer and the search habits? Have you seen those change? You know, um, is it more long tail? What What's going on there? Yeah, I think that we have definitely we get more specific. So there's there's always a long tail play, which is uh, honestly typically more fruitful from a performance perspective because they are so specific. So it's not as broad of a search. Um, voice search obviously is continuing to increase and will become a very dominant uh, component over time. Um, and it's just so easy, right? To get your phone, and not, we can be even lazier. We just uh, talk to our phone and get that search result. Um, and then proximity to where you're located has also uh, been on the rise for the last several years. And, and that's, I would say one thing is how do you accomplish localization at scale? That's mm -hmm. something a lot of our clients are interested in because they have locations across the US or wherever. And, and how do you make that consumer feel as though you're speaking to them from where you're sitting? And, and that can be a challenge if you have 2,500 locations, 5,000 locations. So you've got 5,000 communities, not even cities, I'll say communities that you're in, because if you're in Chicago, well, you might have 25 locations there. And I want to, I don't want to just know that you're in Chicago, but what suburb, what neighborhood, you know, district am I, are you located in and compared to me? So getting very specific, very local at scale is, is a tall order for a lot of brands to accomplish, but something that we help a lot of them do it uh, very well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to I want to come to back to that in a minute because I want to talk about um, content in a minute. But I want to ask one other question on 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 searching and 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 um, core web vitals and that and that that's around speed. Okay, mm. um, because I know as a consumer, you know, uh, and I think Google ranks us, you know, quite highly. On, on speed of search, you know, I'm, I'm going into the search and and um, how how important is that in being found? Okay, um, as as far as Google's concerned. Yeah, they have definitely put a, a big effort into making people aware of that and trying to make that better for the user experience. Uh, that's been going on for a couple of years, maybe three years. There's been a, a big focus on that. Most sites aren't great at that, honestly, or they have maybe their home pages fast, but then it deteriorates pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, having that ongoing focus, it's not something you do just once. It's, it's I like to say, you know, building that muscle, uh, conditioning it for the right thinking. So when you make those updates, you're not inadvertently making it slower, but it's really, it's all about what's best for the user. And, and so like you kind of uh, mentioned, you're, you do well, but as a, as a user, if you do a search and you, hit that button with your thumb or your mouse and it takes a little bit longer to load, we all jump pretty quick. Our patience is very thin. It's, 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 it's not long at all. It's less than a second that we, we give some of those things. And so having that perform as best as possible is critical in your performance and, and oftentimes will lead to just a higher bounce rate if it's not meaning that that user will just leave right away. They don't mm -hmm. even give you the opportunity to, to load. And so, um, it's just one more element that uh, you have to take into consideration um, with an initial build of a website, as well as ongoing how you maintain that. And uh, it's, it's, it's a garden. You've got to keep it weeded and you've got to keep it pruned and, and, and fertilize it. You've got to do all the right things to keep that performing highly. Yeah. And, and I guess that does kind of, you know, um, um, you know, relate also to content and what's, um, you know, 
what's behind and and that's what I want to talk about. We're going to we're going to take a we're going to take a short break, Mark. And when we come back, I really want to talk about, you know, um, what people are looking for, what what kind of content is driving um, usage today uh, in, uh, you know, to try to get companies found, whether it's SMBs or brands. And for our listeners, our guest today is Mark Reifenrat, and he is the co-founder and CEO of SpinUtech. And SpinUtech is a digital marketing agency that has grown from a university dorm startup over 20 years ago to a multinational digital agency with 150 team members across the country. SpinUtech has been named a Google Premier Partner and certified as a Google Marketing Platform Partner, achievements only an elite group of agencies can claim. And this means Google recognizes their experience and they're accountable for specific performance standards and advanced transparent reporting. Mark, in his capacity, he understands firsthand how critical a company's culture is. And we're going to talk about that in the third segment. And the success to Spinutech's growth is the team's commitment to get better every day. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Spinutech, you can go to www.spinutech.com. And Spinutech is all over social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn under Spinutech. And if you'd like to reach out to Mark, Mark is on Facebook under Mark Reifenrat and on Instagram under Mark Reif, LinkedIn under Mike Reifenrat, and you can reach out to him. This broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. Cinda holds virtual trainings, conferences, market research, and legislative white papers focused on digital. So if you'd like to learn more about Cinda, go to www.cinda.org. Cinda also holds conferences each year, and their next conference is going to be in Florence, Italy, October 16th to 18th. So if you'd like to learn more about that, go to www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Today, we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about the complicated world of digital marketing. I mean, it really has changed, um, not just over the last two years since the pandemic, but um, it's changing constantly every day. And our guest is Mark Reifenrat, and he is the co-founder and CEO of SpinUtech. And SpinUtech has grown from a university dorm startup over 20 years ago to a multinational digital agency with 150 team members across the country. And SpinUtech has been named a Google Premier Partner and certified as Google Marketing Platform Partner, achievements only an elite group of agencies can claim. And this means Google recognizes SpinUtech's experience and they are accountable for specific performance standards and advanced transparent reporting. So we're talking to Mark about what is what's going on right now in digital marketing. So Mark, we talked about, before the break, we talked about some of the trends and I, I'd really like to talk about, you know, um, content, okay? 
um, and and how important you know content is in search, um, and you know what are kind of the trends in content, and what are you seeing out there? Yeah. So there's an old saying, you've probably said it many times, and that's exactly what we're doing right now. Content is king. We're creating content right now. And all of us are searching for something. We're wanting answers to things. And we need the best answer for that. And so content, you know, five years ago, even eight years ago, the written content was super critical. It still is. And then having quality photography is important. But think about how you spend your time on social media. If it's just a written post, you kind of keep scrolling. If there's a photo, you pause. If there's a video, you stop. So video is becoming way more important as a supplement to content to engage that user. Look at how much TikTok has grown in the last year and a half. Uh, I think in the beginning of the, of the pandemic, it was really just kind of taking off. Now it's huge, 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 huge. We're chasing eyeballs. That's at the end of the day as marketers, we have to look at where the eyeballs are going. Mm -hmm. and what types of content they're interacting with and engaging. And so you're seeing more brands go to platforms like TikTok where it on the surface doesn't make as much sense. But if you can get into there in the right way, not seem salesy, not seem too much of an advertisement, but get influencers to be on there and start promoting your brands. And, and so it's all types of content. It's not really just one thing. You still have to do what Google wants you to do from a written format on your website, but then expanding out your content of what are you doing on social as well that may guide that user then back to the website to convert. Um, a lot of the social platforms you can convert within, which is also a good channel to just eliminate one point of friction for that user to go an extra step. But video is probably the biggest opportunity that I see most brands are not as active in as they should be to supplement what they're likely already doing for great content written form as well. Mm -hmm. And and I want to come back to video in a minute and just stay for the written. I, I, I know when I go onto a website or I'm reading content, um, you know, I really, I, I want it to be personalized and, you know, how, and, and we're seeing content that's more conversational, um, you know, how important is conversational or personal con personalized content today? Yeah, I think that we all want to feel as though that piece of content was written specifically for us and it connects with us. So doing that at scale for lots of different, what we would say personas can be difficult, but that's why we would typically take, if there's a, a set of terms or phrases that we're trying to rank for, you don't just create one piece of content for that. You might create three to five to seven or more pieces of content that are all similar on the subject, but addressing it from different angles, uh, maybe different, mildly different tone or the personalization approach so that we can get Google to say, this site is the expert on whatever those terms and phrases are that you're Googling. Mm -hmm. So it, it takes a lot of effort um, and intentionality in how you create your content to do that. So those groupings and of, of content on specific categories is super important and then getting those linked within your site to get the user engaged and hopefully when you come in like you said you read that piece of content you feel like it's written specifically for you and then you keep clicking 30 minutes go by and you're like holy cow i just spent 30 minutes researching <laughs> doors um, that i had no idea i was even that interested in uh, and you know and and the other thing i think we're getting more sophisticated as consumers and and, and i know you talk about this in um your 2022 report is you know the the content in and it, how it's embedded in the complete design okay kind of the experience metrics i mean i want to feel good when i go into a website i i, I want to navigate myself easy um you know these ex, you know how are you measuring these experience metrics and 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 design what are you seeing around that yeah so this is where I'll, I'll geek out on you, nerd out a little bit. <laughs> you know, we use a lot of data for what we do. So marketing used to be, oh, I've got a gut feeling what's going to work. And, and we still start with our gut, but we validate with data. So we start with data, end with data, driven by a solid strategy. And with this content and the UI UX, we really want to uh, experiment. So we're constantly running tests of what the user is or is not doing, probably more importantly, what they're not doing and adjusting. And, and that could be, the words we use, the placement of the call to action, 
uh, color schemes, it, it's anything and everything we will test to try to get a little better performance. And so each category, each brand is a little bit different. And so you start with some, some things that we feel are going to work and you just keep iterating and keep iterating. Um, I always talk about chasing the 0.01s. We're just trying to get that point, incre 0.01 incremental improvement for conversions, for engagement, all of those things. We, we look at it as a funnel. You know, so where's the user at in that journey of buying? Top of funnel, they're just getting awareness. Middle of funnel, they're starting to you know, have more interest. And then bottom of the funnel, they're ready to convert. They're ready to buy. And so how do we, when you come in with that con content and experience, how do we slowly or fastly work you through that funnel to ultimately convert as quickly as possible? Yeah, and working through that funnel, and I know I read in one of your reports, you had a quote that you said um, that content and brands, whether it's a, a brand or an SMB, have to appeal to motion rather than emotion rather than logic, okay? And is that what you're seeing today from the consumer trend? Absolutely. And I would say that's something we've always made decisions on. Uh, you know, people love to, to buy into a story. Uh, they love to be validated by somebody else, especially online. So if, if you told me, Mark, oh my gosh, you have to buy this pair of socks because it's the best pair of socks I've ever had. And so they want that validation and they want to feel as though it was specifically made for them. So yes, that personalization, the emotional part of it, the story, I'll say story selling, uh, storytelling and selling, right, uh, is also very critical. So not just here we are, here's why we're great, you should buy this. It has to be very, what emotions are we, are we tugging at? And sometimes brands forget about the basics of what those, well, everybody knows we're great at that. Well, we need to remind them because the other brands might be saying that. And if you don't remind them that you're also great at that, they may take it for granted. So sometimes we walk people in the, into that trap of we know we're good at it and they should know that, but we're just going to make sure and we're going to tout that as, and so then we have 20 great features versus, you know, 18 or something like that to, to make it seem even better. There's, there's three steps to every sale, and this is where digitally it gets a little challenging at times. So features and benefits, we need to talk about that in our content. Overcoming objections, we need to understand our audience and what their potential objections might be, and then asking for the sale. So that's a phone call, a form fill, purchasing the product online. How does our content, from a marketing perspective, ultimately help push you towards that decision? And the challenge there is how do you overcome those objections? Because there may be a unique one that you have that we haven't addressed um, digitally, but in a conversation, we can address that very easily. So um, trying to understand what those are and addressing them head on with our content as best we can. Wow. I mean, that, that that's a really good insight because I actually never thought about that. You know, you take the, you take the typical sales journey and you have to, now you're not talking to somebody and you have to digitally, you know, reflect that. Um, and, and that's not easy to do. Um, how do ratings and reviews help in this? Uh, do you, do you, you know, are those, uh, you know, I, I have mixed feelings as a consumer about it sometimes. I mean, um, what is your feeling as a digital marketing agency about it? I agree with you. I have mixed feelings. As a digital marketing agency owner, uh, I believe they are very important. And, and think about it when, you know, you see that local pack in Google for a local restaurant or um, a local whatever hardware store, it, those ratings are right there present. And you may mm -hmm. jump to the third one on the list just because it has a 4.7 and the top one has a 4.2. Yeah. And so that subconscious is at work very quickly. So um, it's important to have a lot of them and that you constantly are asking for them. And this varies a little bit by business, uh, but it is important. Google puts a lot of weight on it. They like that. Of course, they love their Google Maps um, and, and, and having the ratings done through there. But there are lots of other rating sites. Uh, there's a lot of industry-specific ones. And so being active on those is important. Um, it's one of many things uh, in that garden you have to take care of and, and <laughs> keep pruned and, and aware of. You need to respond to the bad ones because um, if you don't, everybody in the world is going to assume that that's what really happened. And as we all know, most of the time, that negative review was more about the consumer than it was <laughs> than what it was that actually happened. And so, but if you just are silent on those, the world believes everything that's posted now. Yeah. And if you're just simply out there saying, you know, thanking people for a positive content or uh, uh, rating 
And if somebody has a bad experience, just being open to a conversation saying, I'm sorry to hear this. We would love to connect and, and address the concern you have. You don't actually talk about the concern in detail because that's just going to turn into a mm -hmm. he said, she yeah. said, back and yeah. forth. You don't want that written out there. But just showing that you're willing to have a conversation is, is oftentimes enough for somebody that's reading those reviews if you only have a few bad ones to overcome that. Yeah, yeah, I I agree completely, and and my eye always goes to like the lowest one and the highest one. So, yeah. anyways, um, just before the break, social media. I want to come back to video. Okay, you're saying how important it is. Why why are we not seeing as much of that as we should, if it's if it's so important? Well, for uh, take depending on the size of the business, the smaller you are, that's just a harder thing to do. And I think a lot of times businesses overcomplicate that mm. a lot of this can be done from your cell phone we've got you know if you rewind 10 years our cell phone cameras are better than what a lot of the high-end yeah. ones were then so you don't have to overcomplicate the production component and just shoot it with your cell phone get it out there good sound good lighting that's all you need that's what our, our youtube has done a good job over the years of lowering our expectations of that quality um and, and some some of these other ones so you just got to fit in with that, start doing something and, and get it out there. And again, that's what people engage with. If you're looking for ideas, look at related brands or just brands you admire and see what they're doing and see how you could relate that to your business and kind of make it into your own. But you just got to get started. Don't overcomplicate it and, and just do it is what would be my advice. Yeah. And um, yeah, th th I mean, I, I think that we have the capacity today to do it quite easily. So, um, you know, even for the SMB, that should be easy. But just staying with social media for a minute before the break, you know, we talked about TikTok and we all know, you know, that that's that's kind of the 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 rocket giant that's going off right now, but there's other stuff going on. I mean, there's the emergence of, of Facebook groups, um, there's social commerce, sequential messaging. Um, what do you think is probably the most impactful uh, trend? And I'll leave TikTok out of this for now. The <laughs> second most impactful trend in social media. I mean, I think the the access to influencers, and, and I went, when I think a lot of times when people hear that, they think of really big influencers, mm -hmm. but micro influencers will continue to be a major player across any platform and tapping into their audiences. And a, and a micro influencer could be you know, 10,000 followers range, maybe even smaller mm -hmm. in some markets, but they're really specific to um, a, a city or an area or a category. You know, They might be a great uh, chef or cook and mm -hmm. they do reviews on that stuff and they have 10,000 followers. Well, depending on what we're selling, that may be exactly who we need to get in front of and we get five of those individuals and let them do our message. And so brands have been scared of that on some level, but you're seeing a pretty quick adoption to uh, an engagement with influencers. Mm -hmm. And it is a great way to sell. It's a great way to get your messaging out there, uh, kind of uh, under the radar a little bit. And I think we'll continue to see more and more uh, brands using them in a big way. I think that would be, it'd probably be shocking. I don't have any data on this, but it'd probably be shocking how many brands are using them already. And it's just going to continue to get more and more. And that's something small businesses could tap into in their local markets. You know, think of who are the connected college kids in a, in a college town that you could influence somehow or use, use as an influencer. So that's, that's definitely going to be a trend that continues to grow. Yeah, great. Um, so actually, I was laughing when you we were saying that because it's not just the college kids. I was thinking conversation with my 82-year-old mother the other day who said she wanted to be an influencer. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so Mark, we're gonna we're gonna take um, we're gonna take a short break, and when we come back, I want to talk about the culture in your company. And for our um, listeners, we're talking with Mark Reifenroth, and he's the co-founder of Spin U Tech, and Spin U Tech is a digital marketing agency that has been named a Google Premier Partner and Certified Google Marketing Platform Partner. And if you'd like to learn more about SpinUtech, you can go to www.spinutech.com. And SpinUtech is on all social media under SpinUtech, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And if you'd like to connect with Mark, he's, he's on Facebook under Mark Reifenrat. And on Instagram under Mark Reif and LinkedIn under my Mark Reifenrock. And that is Mark with a C. 
And this show is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest-growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. And you can learn more about Cinda under www.cinda.org. They hold conferences, and their next digital marketing conference will be held in Florence, Italy, October 16th to 18th. So go to www.cinda.org to learn more about that. And with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, and today we are talking with Mark Reifenrat, and he is the co-founder and CEO of Spinutech. And Spinutech is a digital marketing agency that has grown from a university dorm startup over 20 years ago to a multinational digital agency with 150 team members across the U.S., and Mark, in his capacity, he understands firsthand how critical a company's culture is to achieve and maintain success. And the success to Spinutech's growth is a team's commitment to get better every day. And this is how it serve, they serve their customers. So, Mark, we've talked about you know what, what you do as a digital marketing agency. And I'd like to go a little bit behind, you know, further than that, because there's a lot of agencies out there. Um, and and you have a great influence, a, a great company culture. Do you want to talk about that and how you built that company culture? Yes, this is my favorite topic by far. Mm-hmm. So I would say we didn't know when we started in college. You don't know about core, you know, core values, culture, things like that. That's not something that you're really taught necessarily in college. We probably made it to 2008 before we even realized we had a culture and started <laughs> to take care of it and identify it and, and try to make it better. We didn't have core values formalized and written down probably until 2016. And so we always had those core values. They just weren't written or spoken. That We didn't really talk about them. It was just always kind of some known standards that we had. So over the course of time, as we've identified this, formalized it, and, and really worked to make it better and better, it, it's helped our team have just a clear view on how we see things. So our culture and our core values are both lived, not aspirational. And I think that's a, an important thing to, to mark. Aspirational core values, aspirational culture is just a dangerous area where you're going to have problems. And so you have to be true to who you are. And our core values obviously are very related to the founders and what our beliefs are of how we see things. But they're pretty simple and straightforward. And it is how we hire, fire, manage, lead, and solve problems, all using our core values. Mm-hmm. And the, so you said, you know, you you, you kind of had these standards when starting out, and and they 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 evolve. So how did these, you know, core values evolve from from starting out? Was it just how how you operationally ran, how how you hired, um, how did how did you form them? Well, in the beginning, you know, so so our core values today are we, we get better every day, we do the right thing, we over me, and we own it. So there's four. They're very simple. But in the beginning, you know, we do the right thing. So in the beginning, we 
were always adamant that we had to be honest to our clients, that we wanted to be fair to our clients. There was a lot of things around that that, you know, ultimately over time led to why we would say we do the right thing. We get better every day. We have always had this attitude of lifelong learners. We have to constantly be getting better, especially in the digital realm, because mm. it changes so quickly. And if we get stuck in, in one way of doing things or the way that we view the, the, the web or digital marketing, we're going to get passed by. And, and so that, that was critical. We Over Me was a team player. That's the team player one. We're not about myself. We're not ladder climbers, things like that. We've always had this team approach, this team mentality that we're going to do great work with others, not just myself. And so that was, again, kind of this, this broader thing that we were able to condense down to a very simple statement. And we own it is we've never been micromanagers. We've never, uh, we want to own our failures and our wins. We want to own deadlines, things like that. So there's there was always a lot of consistent talk around all of these. And so it was beautiful to see them come together in a condensed format. And, and we actually, so here's some fun stats from a cultural perspective. We made it 10 years with zero turnover and we still have four out wow. of our five first team members. And I do these quarterly meetups with Mark and I get in front of the team. We break it into several meetings. And uh, our first team member, Eric, was in one of these meetings and we were talking about our core values. And it was a great conversation. People were really passionate about it, which I love. And, and Eric said, we've always had these core values. They've just, while they weren't spoken, they've gotten louder and louder over time. And I thought that was a beautiful way of saying that mm -hmm. we haven't necessarily changed who we are. It's just that now they're formalized in words, but he's always known that these were always there. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's amazing. And zero turnover, especially, you know, in the last couple of years when we have this big resignation is a, an incredible achievement. And, and Mark, when you when you start, when you gain new team members, OK, and you're hiring, how do you find that fit? OK, um, do you have a, a certain process? Is it gut feeling? I mean, it, cl clearly, you know, you're looking for people to contribute what you need in the organization as far as skills. But how do you look for that fit? Yeah, so we have an intense process. It can be frustrating for the, the potential team member, but it's very intentional. And so that very first interaction is all about a cultural screening. We're making sure they don't have an ego. There's not arrogance. It's it's They're definitely aligned with we over me. It's really how do they fit in with our core values? And mm -hmm. is there any misalignment there that we can tell without just asking them what they think about those? We just trying to have a conversation to understand. And so our recruiting team does a great job of, of working through that. And we only hired 0.06% of applicants in 21. So wow. it's a very small number. Uh, and we hired, I want to say, close to 40 people. Um, so that's a very, you know, that's a lot of work to get those 40 people. But we can't let the wrong, they could be the best at what they do. But if they're a bad cultural fit, you've just let a cancer walk in your front door mm. and that could spread to others. Your worst team members can potentially fire your best team members mm -hmm. because that yeah. underperformance, the misalignment of the culture, your great team members will get fed up with that if you allow it to just hang around and, and, and erode the culture. Mm -hmm. So we absolutely have to filter for that. So we've got a very strict process we go through for hiring, but the number one thing is always aligning back to, are they a cultural fit? Yeah. And, and you, you have, um, so you're hiring, you're hiring all over the country and obviously even before the pandemic, you've been working virtually. Okay. So how, how do you manage, um, keeping this culture alive in this kind of, you know, um, virtual environment that's really distributed all the way across the United States? I mean, somebody you know, might be in California, somebody might be in Rhode Island, somebody might be in Michigan. How do you keep that network together? Yeah, you, you hit it on the head. So we have five physical offices, hardly anybody's using them. Uh, we have 48 team members across the U.S. Uh, and you, yeah, we've got Michigan, Indiana, New Mexico, California. I mean, they're all over. And so it really, even with five offices, you're basically virtual. And mm -hmm. so we, we have formalized one person has a, they're in a cultural position. That's all they do is work on culture. And how do you create that engagement, build that loyalty, uh, and enrich the, the DNA of the culture 
and, and keep people connected on that level. And it's super hard because we aren't in the office having those happy collisions. We're not having the Monday morning, what'd you do this weekend conversations. We're jumping into a Zoom meeting and jumping right out. So creating events, creating opportunities for different people to connect so you get to know them. Um, the shelf life of these events is very short. What worked once may not work again. Uh, so you have to keep changing and, and doing new things constantly. Um, one cool thing that I thought was really awesome that our team did around Thanksgiving was they did a virtual cooking show. Oh, so cool. there was uh, our team members in their kitchens and they got into it. And here's how you, you know, do the turkey. Here's a cocktail that you could do. And it really humanized each of those people. So the people that didn't know those individuals, they got to know them really well and see a different side of them and might make that next difficult conversation a little bit easier because I know this person a little bit better and I saw a different side of them that I really appreciate and connected with. And so stuff like that, that is very unique, has nothing to do with work, but is something that could enhance the team and, and, and the bonds and, and the culture overall. Oh, that, that sounds like that, that sounds like really fun. <laughs> oh, and, um, you know, with this with this culture, you, you talk about accountability, own it, overachieve it, um, get better every day. So how does that go from your employees and cascade down to your clients? Yeah, so accountability is definitely a theme within there. And, you know, being having used to be in an office now distributed out, that is that is a different challenge. And, and everybody's adapted to this new situation differently. But at the end of the day, we just all have to agree to that accountability. That's a, a like you said, a core part of our, our culture. And it's something that our, our clients come to expect. And, and so when we say we're going to do something, we've got to do it. And if we're going to miss that deadline, let's give them the reason why and, and be open and transparent mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. But accountability, I think, is something that everybody can appreciate when they have it. And sometimes when you slip out of it, you don't realize the bad things that you're doing or the, the, the um, lesser quality work you're doing. Um, we're big on work-life balance as well. So we're not asking people to work more than 40 hours. So that accountability is also to help you keep in check on defending that 40 hour work week as well. We only allocate our strategists to 34 billable hours a week, which is less by far than most agencies, mm -hmm. but that's to protect that 40 hour work week so that they do have that balance uh, and can enjoy other things outside of life. Mm -hmm. Recharge those batteries so that the hours they are putting in, we've got high quality creative hours that are doing great work. Yeah, so I mean, it's very, very people focused and, um, um, you know, get, getting towards the end of the show, but the last question. So with this big po people focus, does this, does this help, you know, uh, you're a business, so you have to be profitable. Does it help profitability or is it hurt profitability? You know, we, for 22 years, my thinking has never been about what's the best thing to do to be more profitable. It's what's the best thing for the team. So our, we have two filters for every decision. What's best for the team and then what's best for the business. If it makes it through both of those filters, it'll also be good for the client and then profits will be there. We're, we're not a manufacturer where we have our biggest asset is the tools that create the widget. And mm -hmm. those manufacturers, they take care of those tools that create the widgets. Really, they maintain them, they invest in them to make sure that they're always at peak performance. Our biggest asset by far are the people. Mm -hmm. are, it's the human capital. And so that's why we care so much about that team is that is our biggest asset. And we we want them healthy on all aspects of their life because we know that's going to lead to great things. And, and so I think if you only focus on the profits, you're just you're missing a big opportunity. Um, we're all human and we want to be treated like humans yeah. and we want to be treated like people on a very personal level. And so I think our approach in caring for those individuals has definitely paid dividends. And I don't mean financial dividends. It's it's paid just dividends overall that have been very rewarding. Well, I think if you look at if you look at the turnover, and we all know how much it costs to bring a new employee on, I think that uh, goes right to the bottom line itself. Anyways, um, so Mark, we're kind of at the end of the show. Um, one last message for our listeners. It could be about the digital marketing trends. It could be about management. If you had one message to kind of sum up today, what would that be? Yeah, great question. Um, so I would say 
you know, care on your team right now more than ever. You need to be talking to them more than you think because there's a lot of just concern in the world. And, you know, make sure your team is comfortable. We always say attack the problem, not the person. And there's a lot of problems in the world today. And so yeah. we need to just attack those problems and not the person and uh, care on them, love on them. And they're going to do great things for you. That's what the team wants. They, they want to know that they're cared for and that they're appreciated. And you will get great things in return for that. Super last message. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. And for our listeners, we've been talking with Mark Reifenrat, and he's the co-founder and CEO of Spinutech. And Spinutech is a digital marketing agency that has grown from a university dorm startup over 20 years ago to a multinational agency with 150 team members across the U.S. Spinutech has been named Google Premier Partner and certified Google Marketing Platform Partner. And these achievements are not made by very many agencies and this means Google recognizes their experience and they are accountable for specific performance standards and advanced transparent reporting and as you just heard Mark and his capacity understands firsthand how critical a company's culture is to achieve and maintain success and that is what they're doing at Spinutech. Now if you'd like to learn more about Spinutech go to www.spinutech.com and they're on all social media under Spinutech S-P-I-N-U-T-E-C-H and Mark is on Facebook under Mark Reifenrat, and that's Mark with a C, and also on LinkedIn under Mark Reifenrat, and on Instagram under Mark Reif. So please reach out to Mark. So Mark, once again, thank you so much. It's been thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was really fun. And our listeners, please tune in to us each week on Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And don't forget, this broadcast has also been brought to you by Cinda. And if you'd like to learn more about Cinda, go to www.cinda.org. And with that, thank you for listening in and tune in again next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.